Hi, this is Charlie Hume, former lead singer with Ted Nugent, Gary Moore, Humble Pie, Victory, and Foghat. And you're listening to Talking Blues. That is quite an impressive resume, the people you've played with. Um, I want to I go back to the very beginning. I think you started on the piano um, before the guitar? Yes, I uh, uh, was placed on the piano bench at four years old and had lessons and did recitals for 12 years, uh, classical trained. And um, I always wanted to play guitar though. So at 12 years old, I said, um, no more piano lessons. I'm going to play guitar. So my dad bought me a $25 Stella acoustic and I taught myself how to play. What were you playing? What were you interested in playing at that point? Uh, at that point was um, uh, early 60s um, rock and roll and just learning how to play the guitar. Uh, I was trying anything and everything just to see if it could sound good. And then tried to get in a band, and, but I um, was playing over the top, like uh, Jeff Healy, if you're familiar with him. Yes. And, and and then I decided, well, that's not going to work. So I had to reteach myself. So at 16, uh, I had uh, accomplished guitar enough to be able to stand, hold the guitar, play and perform and, and sing. And then started uh, getting into bands and, and, you know, just it got under the skin. So sorry, when you say you played over the top, that's, how did you learn to play? Like, what made you decide to learn that way? Did you see somebody playing that way? Uh, no, I um, I found it easier to play uh, guitar that way um, because, uh, like, so many people find out um, when they start playing guitar how difficult it really is and how painful and and it was just easier over the top. And so, I I was more successful in my own way of teaching myself uh to play over the top then relearning took about a year uh and and then when when uh the blues uh rock and roll guys were bending the strings and putting vibrato on them that took another six months to learn how to do <laughs> um, it's all I, coming back to me now oh my god <laughs> that's but i find that curious because it obviously did well for jeff who played like nobody else and and exactly. got, got some amazing sounds um that's interesting that you would have learned that way yeah singing is another thing i mean obviously i don't know if you think of yourself as a singer more than a guitar player or if you just it doesn't work that way but you must have started singing quite early as well uh yeah my uh, mom was a, a wonderful brilliant singer and um she helped me with singing and I got a lot of opportunity at school in the choirs or at church. And, uh, by 12, I had developed perfect pitch. Wow. So yeah, maybe even a little earlier, but at, at any rate, yeah, the voice came quicker than the guitar playing. And so, um, I, I think I was hired more, um, and, uh, was more successful in my, recording professional music career as a singer uh, than guitar player. But back when I was 
getting into the business, it was being a guitar player singer that was, in my opinion, the the cool position to be <laughs> um, Okay, so because I don't know if you get as much recognition as a guitar player, but I have seen you play guitar and and obviously you're no slouch. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, it uh, it was great after college um, getting together with an old high school friend and, and we had a, a house gig in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I grew up and and we played uh, every night, three sets a night and we had a house gig. So we were there uh, indefinitely and then we'd practice every day and learn new songs and, and write. And, and so getting all that um, time uh, with the guitar and uh, and playing really helped um, my ability. So, and that's what it takes. You know, I've talked to so many uh, pros that that say, yeah, you have to sit down and play for eight hours a day. And whether they're drummers, guitar players, doesn't matter. And and uh, you know, for months. And and that's what it took. But uh, it it really helped, and it got me to a to a level where you know I could compete on a like a, a world stage. So, so I'm I'm curious. So when you were playing in Grand Rapids, is this the band Cirrus? Is that the band that you were playing with? Oh, actually, no. That was one of the other bands. But uh, with um, my old drummer buddy Vic Amato, uh, we had a three piece, sometimes four piece that that had the house gig, and and so um, we just did that until I got the Nugent audition. And um, after I uh, got accepted uh, by Ted, then um, that disbanded the. But okay, but I mean that's quite a leap. So tell me about that band that you you, you did this weekly gig with. At that point, what are you thinking? What are you hoping to be in music? Like, are you thinking that one day I'm going to work with people like Ted Nugent and Foghat, or are you thinking? You know, this is a part-time gig. I'm going to just play music, do other things. How how were you driven? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was uh, still um, perplexed on uh, writing originals. Uh, we had some adaptations of songs that were pretty successful at the time. But writing and recording, uh, I knew was the best way to uh get up uh and get a record deal and all that but um i always delayed writing uh i i was really tough on myself as far as writing and and not all uh that happy with what i was coming up with so so i kept delaying it and then when the nugent job came in i took that instead of continually being frustrated with trying to write originals and and get record deals and stuff and and i just took the opportunity well what a what an amazing jump i mean i i mean you're playing locally in grand rapids um you get this audition and you're basically for an audition for a band that was really hot at that point this is ted nugent maybe at his hottest right like after live gonzo after free for all after Cat Scratch Fever, and there you are auditioning for Ted Nugent, who's one of the hottest acts at that point. What was that like for you? Yes, that was um, an incredible um, 
jump and um, uh, it, it was like um, for a professional baseball player uh, going from the minors to the World Series. And, and so it, it, was, it was just amazing. And uh, we got along real well. We, um, we were headlining stadiums and uh, arenas and it, it was just, you know, recording in super studios and the albums were selling by the millions. And so it, it, it was just uh, the big dream come true. Was it a huge adjustment? I mean, you were like 27 when you joined the band. Um, so you're playing local bars and then all of a sudden you're playing to 15,000 to 80,000 people. What does that do to a person? Actually, I had a little experience with, uh, my, my, uh, bands, um, back in Grand Rapids, uh, opening up, uh, at some, um, larger shows, uh, like at the college, uh, we opened up for Fleetwood Mac once and, uh, at Grand Valley State College, and and there were other events that um, we performed in that had larger crowds, and so that gave me some experience at entertaining to uh, large amounts of people compared to just the small club crowds. So that helped a lot. And once you get the the music down to where you are comfortable playing then uh, the entertaining part while you're while you're playing and performing is a lot easier because your confidence level is high. And and so it it just uh, everything worked out well. It came kind of naturally. <laughs> OK, um, but at what point, like how long does it take for you to think, OK, I belong here. I'm very comfortable with this, um, you know, and my confidence is really high. Like that obviously doesn't happen immediately. Or does it? Um, well, it it wasn't it, it wasn't a problem. I wasn't nervous, which was so wonderful. It was Ted's show, you know, and he was the entertainer, and uh, he was the focus, and so uh, the, that pressure was off of me, and and so I had to learn pretty much what it was like to play on a big stage with ten thousand watts of monitors and. Uh, you know, just amazing um, volume levels and learn the show, of course. But Ted took a lot of the weight or pressure off my shoulders because he was doing almost all the work. You know, he was the one that people were there to see. And so that helped relax me and, and get my level of confidence to a point where it, it was um, relatively easy to do. Although you are the lead singer, right? So there is definitely focus on you. Yeah, when I when I did start, um, I was hired as the lead singer and did most of the songs, vocals for a year and a half to two years. And then Ted started singing more. And it, it was uh, a transition that he had wanted to make. And, you know, it was okay. It was uh, part of the job. That's, that's uh, what you do. So how difficult is it for you to decide um, I'm going to move on and, and, and quit this band? Because obviously you're touring the world and you're playing to massive crowds with Ted. And then you decide, I don't know if you decided or Ted decided, but at one point or another, you're no longer with the band. Was that a difficult transition? Well, it was a little difficult, but um, 
the phone rang uh, immediately after I separated from Ted, and it, it was uh, to go record with Gary Moore over in London and Tommy Aldridge on drums. And uh, Tommy Aldridge and Pat Thrall had had just left Pat Travers band at the same time that I had separated from Ted. And so it was it was kind of ironic. We both uh, ended up working together. And it was so amazing working with Gary Moore that it just like everything fell right into place. And and the album came out a year later. Tommy moved on to Ozzy. But um, there were some moments as far as if everything's going to pan out and all that. So I had to just um, continue working at what I could after, you know, the Nugent thing ended and starting up with Gary Moore. And so I just tried to keep working. But once again, with Gary Moore, you left that because you had another opportunity, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, Geffen Records. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, John Kloner, the A&R guy from uh, Geffen, uh, came over to London to uh, see the showcase of um, the Gary Moore lineup that I was in. And he liked a song I had written and wanted me to collaborate with Trevor Rabin for a Geffen record deal because uh, they had just started their new label. And so when the Gary Moore uh, album didn't uh, come out in a timely manner, I had to still keep working. So I moved out to L.A. for a while and worked with Trevor. And finding out Trevor was more into progressive rock, that worked for about six months and then dissolved. But uh, once again, um, the Gary Moore album didn't come out until... G83 in Japan. And so, you know, he wanted me to stay and work over in England, but, um, you know, I, I just couldn't go over there and stay having a wife and living in the U.S. So it was, it was kind of a tough decision, but a good learning experience. And once again, a great opportunity to work with internationally high-level musicians. Well, obviously, this, there's something about you that attracts these people. And, and I don't know, like, if I was to ask you what that is, because to be able to work with Gary Moore or Tommy Aldridge or um, Trevor Rabin, you know, or Ted Nugent, I mean, these are pretty high-level acts. Do, what do you think it is about you that... That's that... an interesting question. Um, I, I just, uh, I think that I've got some aspects of, of my uh, musical ability and talent that that people respect enough to want to work with me and feelings mutual. And I guess it's just where one gets to uh, in their career at um, after putting in the hard work and you just uh, take it from there and see where it goes. And I think everything works for a reason and a purpose. Okay. So, but you, you know, you start off, at a very high place with the Ted Nugent band, where I think record companies are involved in a, a huge way. So you, you learn, I guess, through that experience, the business of music. And very quickly, even with um, Gary Moore, if the manager says, oh, we're going to hold off on this album and not release it, uh, or working with Trevor Raven and, and Geffen Records saying, let's put together a band and that doesn't work out. What, what did you think about the business of music back then? Well, it was uh, really amazing, um, especially back with Ted and getting my feet wet 
uh, with all of this high level um, machinery that I was involved in and seeing how it all worked and meeting all these amazingly professional and historic people involved uh, on the business side and on the performance side. So uh, just getting to know that side of the business and seeing how how big it is and how the machine works was like a crash course for a financial guy uh, working on Wall Street when he comes out of college or something like that. So, you know, I was I was living in it and I was learning about it. And and so fortunately, I was being exposed to the high level at the at the early time that I was with my working with Ted Nugent and the major uh, record labels. And then after that, it was more of a sustainability thing to try to keep working and producing. So it, it, it's just been a, an incredible learning experience. So the other experience you had was with a band called Victory, which is, I presume, more your project um, and, and further enhancing your experiences with the business of music. With Victory, um, I was ready to record an album and uh, one of my old producers from the Nugent era had learned about this band in Germany that was recording an album and they needed to replace the singer. So I ended up going over there and doing the vocals over and it worked out and there was interest from not only the Scorpions um, and their help in financial help in the, in the recording aspect, but from uh, once again, David Krebs at Contemporary uh, Communications Corporation, who's major management and was my manager back in uh, the Nugent days. So we had immediate interest. And then uh, once again, the release of the uh, first Victory album got delayed and Th that was kind of unfortunate because um, it was a, a timely piece of work at the time when it was ready for release. But then the delay in releasing caused an issue with the timing and support. And we were kind of like starting off with, with uh, you know, one foot in the bucket. So it was, it was tough, but we just kept going and then... Uh, recorded a second and a third album. And uh, we were really developing a great following over in Germany. And yet I just was spending so much time away from home being over in Europe uh, a lot that uh, I just had to kind of throw in the towel. So that's why I left that organization, unfortunately. But it was to also uh, join Humble Pie because Jerry Shirley and Anthony Sooty Jones uh, had worked with me when they were with Steve Marriott opening up for Nugent back in 1980. So uh, they were putting together a lineup of Humble Pie in the United States and uh, they wanted me to audition or sing. And I, I said, sure, because it was an opportunity for me to work in the States and not be stuck over in Europe all the time. But it was so, a difficult decision to to leave victory. Because it, it must be. I mean, it must, like, you, one thinks about music and playing in bands and just playing music. But 
you know, you get to a certain level like you have, and it's it's not just about playing music. It's about the business of music. And it's not just, let's record an album, release it, and then, and people will hear it. It's playing with whatever the record company wants or their schedule or their motivation. And, and then it becomes not just making music, but the business of music. There are lots of variables that intervene and everybody knows that uh, it, it's it's wonderful to be able to write and record music and get out there and, and tour to support the product. But um, there are so many aspects of life uh, that that can get not in the way, but but that you have to take care of at the same time. It, it's it's like the the husband that goes out and works two jobs to support for the family, but he's never home. And so he's chastised for not being home when he's working two jobs, trying to make enough money for, you know, the family. So uh, that juggling life along with the recording process is always a challenge. And, and I'm sure it's the same for anybody in any type of job. And you just learn how to adjust. But um it was funny that when I got in Humble Pie and we were touring in the States that uh, Jerry Shirley thought, you know, you could have stayed in victory. And I thought, what? Because usually every everybody in the bands, when you're in a band, it's like you're married to that band. You can't do other projects. And it's a very selfish type of thing where um, I don't think it should be. I think people should be free to do whatever they want. You know, it's only fair. But uh, in hindsight, I didn't have to quit Victory. But um, it was nice to know that uh, that Jerry wasn't one of these possessive type of people that that uh, frowned on on doing side projects or anything like that. Well, it's funny because because when I grew up, I think that's the way it was that you were with the band and if you left that band it became a big issue but somewhere along the way maybe I don't know if it was Phil Collins in Genesis where he had a dual career but somewhere along the way it seemed like more people were open to the idea of having side projects and then you know dedicating time to the one band and maybe another band or whatever but it's like things are looked upon quite differently than it used to be. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing because, in my opinion, not fair if you can't take advantage of an opportunity that you're approached with. And I think that's fair for everybody, that they should be able to follow the course that, that they want. It's like a freedom and and yet not hurt the situation you're in, but just make it acceptable and be accountable and have everything keep working. Tell me about what it was like to work in Ham Pie. Oh, well, with with uh, uh, Jerry Shirley and Anthony Jones and Wally Stocker from the Babies on Guitar, that was, that was wonderful um, because I'd always really enjoyed um, Steve Marriott's vocals, just totally amazed. And, and then playing guitar, playing some Frampton guitar parts and things like that were, were just so awesome and, and challenging. So I enjoyed working with uh jerry and you know we did pretty well and and yet it was at a time where i was kind of entering this phase of of my career where it was like a um 
an era of going back and recognizing the past glories of of bands like joining a classic rock band that had tremendous success but it was still revisiting the heyday from a different aspect and so that was a little adjustment and we did well but uh you know th that kind of slowly phased out too and then uh, you know jerry ran into some problems and then we were going to disband and then the phone rang and it was roger earl and lonesome david passed away and and he asked if i wanted to join fog hat so i thought wow that was timely and so you know i said well let me think okay so we uh got in the process of reestablishing fog hat and i think we did a wonderful job with humble pie you didn't record any new material is that correct uh we recorded a couple little things locally in the Cleveland area. And then just before in the late nineties, uh, I, I wrote uh, uh, six or seven songs and we had just started uh, recording them. And then uh, things were, you know, starting to phase out. So that never really took off, but uh, I was real happy with the songs yet. Um, yeah, we didn't really release anything. We released a live at the Agora uh, live CD, and that, that did pretty well locally. It sounded really good. So once again, it's your voice or your ability as a musician that you didn't have to audition for Foghat or for Humble Pie. Like, people are calling you and saying, hey, come and join the band. What's your confidence level like? Because I, I know it's hard to be in a band, and it's hard to keep together a band as, as you've had witnessed and lived through but to always have these opportunities come up and you also worked with Dennis Dunaway and um, Joe Bouchard and Neil Smith and I presume they probably called you and Jay Jesse Johnson on guitar yes uh, and well thank you very much for the uh, the confidence vote there um, I've, I've been pretty lucky with you know the auditions or just the confidence uh, factor that that uh, people have felt about you know hiring me and so it, it's it's been a, a nice little pat on the back but um, but I work hard at it and every night that I go out and perform or every recording session I I, I work 110 percent and want to definitely improve on past performance it's an ongoing um, mission on my, on my part were you ever out of music? Like, was it always music or did you do anything else at any time? Uh, gee, not really. Uh, after college, you know, just started working uh, in that uh, bar band and then got the, the break with Ted Nugent and just kind of stayed working. You know, there, there were some thin times where I got a day job, but, uh, you know, the, the phone kept ringing. So. So, you know, it was a nice 22-year career with Foghat, and uh, I just kind of got a little burnt out. I was telling everybody that, you know, I was um, thinking about retirement a couple of years before I pulled the trigger. And so, you know, that answers that question. Everybody knew that I was, I was getting ready to retire. I, I just really 
was kind of getting burned out with the, the constant working every weekend. And I mean, it's nice and all that, but, but after, after years and 2 million miles on Delta and, you know, just uh, work, 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 you can't plan your, your own life. You know, you have to, you have to work and you can't schedule your own vacations and things like that, you know? And, and so it just, um, it, it got to a point with me where I was okay with it. And it, it was difficult to get to that point, but people knew that I was ready. And, and so that's, that's why I made that decision. Um, I'm, I want to talk a little bit more about that because I'm getting to that age where I have to think about it. But also, because um, I, I presume it's an adjustment. But but before we do that, because I want to talk about, I don't want to just fluff over the 22 years with Fogat. Um, that's quite an accomplishment. And, and you know, once again, you come into a situation um, working with a great band, but this time you're actually doing some new material. Right? Like, sure. I mean, and I think it was understood that Foghat wasn't just going to play old stuff. They were going to record new albums. Right. And, um, tell me about that, that experience of playing with Foghat for that, those years. Um, you know, we started right out. Roger's mission is to always continue to record and, and write. And you just never know when the spaghetti might stick to the wall, right? And so we went right in the studio the year after I joined, which was 2000. And we started recording a new studio album. And so I I had about seven songs that were ready to go and really worked at making them sound kind of like Foghat songs, you know, because I really was inspired and respected the Foghat uh, mantra. And so starting recording originals with those guys early on and putting out family jewels uh in 2002 or 2003 was a really great step and we would play the new songs in the set of course everybody wanted to hear all the old songs so it was difficult playing the new stuff but the new stuff was was pretty good and so that was that was encouraging for us. Uh, and so, you know, over the years, we put out a live blues CD that we recorded that I was really happy with. We did it in this big room, a warehouse room, and we used these little Marshall amps and they sounded just amazing. And we played so brilliantly. Uh, I think it was called Live at the Blues Warehouse. And even played Shake Your Moneymaker, you know, by Elmore James and did several other blues songs. They're kind of escaping me right now. I think So Many Roads. Um, anyway, that to me was one of the more miraculous uh, CDs that I was on with Foghat. We also did a blues album called Last Train Home that was all blues and Craig McGregor uh, decided not to record on that so we had a bass player fill in who was with roger back in the in the late 80s and yet uh that album turned out really well we had colin uh, earl roger's brother play keyboards on it colin you know was in mongo jerry back in the late 60s and then uh recently we did a, a studio album 
we even went into a, a, a major studio and recorded in Nashville, which was really great, and uh, used Tom Hambridge. And that album turned out really well. So, you know, I think we recorded six or seven albums. The last uh, product I was on was a live recording at uh, Daryl's house in uh, Southern New York. And and that turned out great, a double uh, live CD and DVD. So we were busy all the time recording and writing. And, you know, I got to hand that to Roger because he was always pushing for that. Always keep writing, keep recording and and keep it fresh. So so what is it about? I mean, 22 years is a like a ridiculously long time. And, you know, I don't think you've been in any, any other band that even comes close to that length, correct? It's, it's fun and, and it's ridiculous to think about it because, you know, how time flies when you're having fun. And and so it's it's good to, to think back and look at it and say, yeah, 22 years. Oh, 22 years. So it is okay to retire it is, you know, it's it's been a good run, and and so it it may have been a little abrupt, but it it's never going to be, you know, happy for everyone, and it's, you know, kind of the way it goes. It's it's a it's a tough one. So uh, so, how has the adjustment been for you? I mean, I know that you were ready. Um, but it is from, you know, doing gigs almost every weekend and traveling a lot to nothing. I don't know if it's nothing. I don't know if you're still doing music, but I mean, it must have been an adjustment. What, has it been a, an easy adjustment? Yes, it's been so relaxing and uh, decompressing and, and getting the stress of, of the, the pressure released. And I still do some, you know, guest appearances and uh, I'll put together, I'll play for parties and, and uh, the odd corporate gig here and there, but it, it's actually been a real uh, uh, relief not to feel the stress of, of having to be on call all the time. When, as you were growing up, did you have goals? Yeah. Can you share them with me? Sure. I always wanted to be a rock and roll guitar player, singer. And so I was playing all the time and I've always been playing. And, and so that was, that was my goal. And you achieved it. Yeah. So that's, that's the way I feel about it. You know, in, in my, in my, um, experience you know i think i feel right now like a buddy of mine from brooklyn said you know i i ain't got nothing to prove so so it feels good and people understand and i've i've gotten nothing but really good feedback from everybody about the retirement and and so in retirement do you have goals are there things that you want to accomplish <laughs> yeah i want to shoot better golf and I, I'm I'm doing well with that, and uh, I'm also dabbling uh, with um, 
vintage musical instruments uh, and uh, I have hobbies and collections and and we're taking vacations and uh, just relaxing and going to auto races and just you know doing a little bit of everything just for fun so you're enjoying life exactly well good for you um charlie thank you so much i met you a few years ago and and when we talked a little bit about your time with humble pie at that point and i, I was always curious to dig deeper and and find out more about your career and i really appreciate you taking this time to talk about it well, sure. Thank you very much for having me. It's been really wonderful.